I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to another all-new Nerd Alert. I uh, hope you've enjoyed our continuing coverage of all things Batman, but that's over and done with now. Uh, it's out in theaters, go watch it. Today we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, today we're going to get a little serious, uh, get a little personal, because something's happened recently that we can't ignore uh, and shouldn't ignore. Uh, and we're going to choose to to take today to put a positive spin on it, as our first guest will tell you all about. Uh, but before we get to that, today we are acknowledging and honoring uh, the memory of the life and the work of one Ivan Reitman. And to help me do that, of course, I've got my regular crew. Let me introduce them around the horn. First up, my right-hand man. The man who keeps the nerd and the top nerdy to me network, the sole and only host of the House Rules podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Commander Scott. Your definition of soul and only apparently differs from mine. S-O-U-L, because you got soul. Because there are five hosts. <laughs> it's all those blues records you've been listening to. Hey, he's the soul man. Say what you will, but BB King, Eric Clapton, LP is just awesome to listen to. Thank you very much. What? I, I was not putting it down. So, <laughs> I was just saying, you listen to a lot of it. So, um, uh, real real quick, um, something that I learned here recently that uh, is just awesome, if I may. Do you, do you mind? Yes, just uh, usual disclaimer. Just because Scott just learned it does not new, mean it's new information. Just remember that. Oh, no, no. This is not new information. This information <laughs> This, this information actually comes from around 1948. All right, this is It's News to Me with Scott Cox. <laughs> so if I was to say to you all the USS Nevada, do you all know what I'm talking about? Has anybody the heard of the USS Nevada, the battleship? No, but maybe when you tell me more. So <laughs> uh, it was in, wasn't it one of the ones in Battleship Row in Pearl Harbor? It was in Battleship Row in Pearl Harbor. It was look at the brain on Jay. It was. It was. It was in. It was in the 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 the. It was in port in Pearl Harbor during the attack. It was. was it, um, Sorry. Go ahead. Was it? Was it the one that tried to make it out and then got it got stuck? It on did the not sandbar. Get, well, it did get stuck, but it didn't get stuck like it got stuck accidentally. So it was the only battleship during the Battle of Pearl Harbor to actually get underway, because yeah. it was not one of the first ones hit. The captain of the crew had enough uh, presence of mind to weigh anchor, 
and get the fuck out of Dodge. Um, as soon as she started making for open water, the Japanese figured out what was going on and they concentrated fire on her in order to keep her from being sunk. The captain ordered her beached. That's how she got stuck on the sandbar. It was on purpose to save the ship. However, what I just learned, uh, I knew this part, but what I just learned fast forward to 1948 post-war, we, you know, we, we've won world war two. The Japanese have been spanked and sent back home. Uh, Hitler, you know, took the coward's way out, did his thing. Um, the USS Nevada was retired. And do you remember my little spiel about uh, the nuclear tests at the Bikini Atoll? And, yeah. And, and how that ties into um, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants? Did they blow it up? Well, they did blow it up. However, they so she was painted orange and set as a target ship for one of the nuclear tests. Okay. Okay. They detonated a nuclear bomb above her, like right above her. And she did not sink. Damn. Pretty boss. But did she, she become was, sentient in a giant kaiju? Well, she was radioactive, so they couldn't do anything with it. I've got uh, an idea for a movie, guys. <laughs> so, so the air bur- the airburst, you know, uh, uh, Nevada survived the test and was determined to be still inoperable if radioactive condition the second test shot baker was an underwater detonation directly underneath the nevada of a nuclear weapon failed to sink the nevada jesus one airborne observer reported the explosion actually lifted the ship clear out of the water on an even keel wow and although now dangerously radioactive she was still considered to be only minimally damaged and still operational. Jesus. She was stored until well, this was actually a little before 1948. She was stored for a while. On July 26, 1948, uh, a, a powerful new explosive device, and I haven't been able to figure out exactly what device that was, was tested aboard the Nevada. She was the device was placed directly on board the Nevada, only to detonate without causing significant damage. <laughs> on July 31st. Nevada was set to be sunk by naval gunfire from the modern battleship USS Iowa with 16-inch guns and three light cruisers bearing 6-inch guns. The first from uh, from 15 miles out and then the rest from just 5 miles out. Nevada was pounded by gunfire but refused to sink. Destroyers were sent in to fire hundreds of 5-inch projectiles into Nevada, but when the smoke cleared, guess what? Still floating. Afloat. Jesus. Finally, the decision was made to torpedo the ship, and an Avenger torpedo bomber put a single torpedo into the starboard side of the Nevada amidships. Uh, Finally, she started to list, and abruptly she capsized and went down stern first in about 2,600 fathoms, or 165 miles uh, of water southwest of Pearl. It took almost the entire United States Navy, two nuclear detonations, and one undisclosed detonation to sink this ship. Jesus. I love that. Yeah. I guess they don't build what they used to, huh? (laughs) No no one ever built them like this. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Going around the horn, joining us from somewhere in time and space via the DeLorean, the Doc. What? Over? Did you say over? 
Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed, bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no. Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Not a roll. Like, just do that live, or you have that like sound wave somewhere. You got that sound bite somewhere. That really just happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was that was all, Jay. Oh, deal. <laughs> and joining us this week, our special guest star, our senior specialist of all things Scream and head honcho for all things Halloween, ladies and gentlemen, Gritton is in the house. Heidi, howdy, happy to be here. Very excited. I always love talking to you guys. Uh, <laughs> so, <clears throat> with all the intros out of the way, meat and potatoes this week's show. Like I said, we're here to honor the memory and life and works of Ivan Reitman, uh, who in some way or another had a, a big impact on all of our lives. And Grit, since you're the guest today, I'm let you go first <clears throat> to share any memories or thoughts or just your favorite movie, your favorite line, or whatever it is. Uh, uh, what does Ivan Reitman mean to you? In 500 words or less, go. Oh, yeah, I got it. um yeah you know i uh to be honest i've only seen two ivan reitman movies all the way through which is of course ghostbusters one and ghostbusters two but that was two enough to fully change my life um you know as i'm sure we've all discussed before ghostbusters has had just the impact on uh on me from literally my entire life so uh, you know ivan reitman being the godfather of that you know and dan and harold always get credit for writing of course they get the writing credits but um you you know you watch some of these behind the scenes things you don't realize that ivan was one of the people that really brought the original ghostbusters script like down to earth almost literally you know because as we all know here that the original script was like it interdimensional and there was space and it was just wild and then Carol all took their so what was it like Martha's been for like a month at some period of time and they all ended up kind of reworking the original idea and concepts and stuff and that's how the movie kind of came to be so you know people we know that he directed it but he was you know very pivotal in creating the whole thing too um but um yeah, I mean, he and, you know, he just honestly seemed like a really nice dude from what I hear. It's like, um, of course, his son, Jason, grew up a very successful filmmaker. He did Afterlife. And, um, you know, he just seemed like a really incredible guy from all the things that, that I've heard. And it's one of these things that if you see a lot of the behind the scenes footage, um, he's like laughing the whole time. He's having such a great time making He's having as much fun making them as we are watching them. And, you know, that joy and that kind of light really comes through in these, in, you know, movies that like transcends genres. You know, it's, there's some scary ass scenes in Ghostbusters, but, you know, it's funny. It's, it's a comp. We're all just a great time. And the freaking movie just, you know, like I said, it, it, it touched all of us and it changed all of our lives. Without Ivan, we wouldn't you know my life and all of our lives would be very different but um one of my ivan reitman claims to fame though is in 1999 they had the dvd of the movie which had come out which is 99 it was like oh snap dude and they like were putting some extra things in there they didn't really know what to put i think on the special features so they had you could like enter in a question 
and Ivan Reitman would answer them. And I think there were maybe 20 questions or 10. I don't remember. You had to go to a website and you like entered in a question. Basically, I asked a question of Ivan Reitman and and he answered it. He answered my question. And I don't remember if it was written on like the DVD box or if it was like within the DVD menu. I need to go back and find that 99 release of Ghostbusters because me and Ivan were totally vibing on there. What was so, the question? I asked, yeah. came up with the uh, the costume and the you know the overall general of the the packs and stuff. I mean, I was fucking fourteen. Y'all come up off my nuts, okay? Uh, <laughs> no such. No one's judging. We just wanted to know what you asked him. Jeez, man. It was <laughs> judging the room there, okay? Or maybe I'm just self conscious. I don't know. Either way, he answered it and he gave Dan credit for that overall vibe. So. It was very cool, but, you know, like I said, just, he imbues, is that the word I'm looking at? He imbues his movies with this, like, kind of, like, almost joy or or this childlike kind of wonder that he seemed to have as making these things, and and I just, I mean, I think that's incredible, and, you know, he, he, he left this world with so much, and, you know, these movies, Ghostbusters is so definitively 80s like you know you watch it we got 80s style 80s hairstyles you know 80s music but these movies casual are, smoking those slow jobs but <laughs> it's only nothing says 80s like ghost blow jobs so, didn't know that was the major thing in the 80s well oh, yeah dude all over the place it was some circles it was a little underground you know experimented with things but anyway no but i mean his his work is timeless i mean ghostbusters you know strike he of course said it, it, when did that come out late 70s stripes 1981 yeah 81 so but i mean his his movies are just gonna last for forever i mean he's he he gave us all this gift and you know i'm no i speak for most of you guys when i say i'm eternally grateful you know, for I and just blessed to to be able to experience this art that he shared with us. Hey, you know, you know what, grit. Even if imbue isn't the right word, you're not going to hear any argument from us. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. If you got, a... <laughs> well, really? Okay, Scott, maybe not me. I'm a math teacher. I don't know words. English <laughs> is not my strong suit. We yeah, established I'm, that. I'm math fine. good. Words M are bad. Yeah, I, I'm fine with the the use of the word imbued in this context. However, you know, if it wasn't right, I'm pretty sure. I, I think I would try to let you know. Uh, it's, just, it's just me. So I'm just saying. Oh, that's why. That's why I love having you around. Because if I'm like totally jacking it up, you're gonna let me know. Totally fine. Uh, wait, Scott, tell me if I'm using the word right. So it's imbued, right? Uh, okay, that's a word. Yes. Yesterday, yesterday, my dog and I stayed imbued until nine o'clock. No, 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 that's in bed. Oh, oh man, Fletch. You're good to get confused with your redneck dictionary. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Right, it's about, love it. Uh, I don't, I, yeah, uh, fully agree with you, man. Uh, I think we'd all agree that uh, none of us ever thought a movie would have such a significant impact on the course of our lives the way Ghostbusters has. Uh, and it, it's it's going to be the the gorilla in the room, so we might as well get it out there. But um, yeah, I mean, you said it yourself, like the original concept from Danny, 
uh, was appropriately fucking out there like Danny is. And uh, it was when Ivan came on, Ivan brought Harold in uh, and said, you know, I think there's some good ideas there. I think we need to tone it back a bit. And hey, let's let's have Harold come in and help us out with that. And and any of the comedies he's done, you'll hear him talk about this. And then the commentaries is his philosophy was always we'll do a take or two as written just so we know what's covered. In worst case scenario, the story will make some kind of sense. We have to get to, you know, edit it all together. But then he would just let his actors riff. It's like, you, if you got a better way to say that, go for it. If you got a better line or a better joke or something else to put in there, go for it. You know, once we had the first take in the can, he just let his actors, just the, the enormous trust in his his actors, especially, which is why he worked with so many of the same people over and over and over again, is he had that rapport with them. Um, and, and he, he was director by way of ringleader i think and it was it was somewhat more of let's get this amazing talent together and we'll trust that ivan won't let us go too far uh and and ivan will trust us to uh to to punch it up and, and make it something special and that's that's the kind of trust that's hard to find in in directors nowadays you know for sure for sure so well thank you for sharing your thoughts with us buddy absolutely my pleasure as always, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I look forward to you and I getting together and discussing the new Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. So, look, that coming soon. Uh, but thanks for joining us, buddy. All right. Rag and roll, guys. So, go around the horn. Uh, who wants to go next? And granted, I love that this doesn't have to be like a all or nothing, but uh, does anybody else want to jump in with their their Ivan Reitman favorite movies or lines or whatever? Um, when well, I was just say when I was researching this and looking and like you know we we're going to talk about Ivan Reitman movies. Yeah, I didn't realize he directed some movies that I actually really enjoyed, uh, and I never even thought about it. Um. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner. I have not, but it is on my list now. Um, so it's uh, basically the story is they follow Kevin Costner, who is the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. And it's the day of the draft. And basically, there's a lot of stuff going on that day. And people are sort of harassing him and. A lot of things are going sideways and the the guy that he wanted to pick like there's rumors surfacing about this guy his work ethic all this other stuff but um for a sports nerd like me it was actually a really i thought it was a really good movie i like it um i haven't seen it in a while it's not like funny in the way that a lot of his other movies are funny but is definitely enjoyable so I was kind of surprised that he directed it because I'm so used to, you know, things like Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, um, Kindergarten Cop. Um, let's see what else is on this list. Dave. Yeah, he, oh, my God. He Dave was, is so funny. He's well known and deservedly well known for his comedies, but he he was equally prolific in a lot of other genres. Um, yeah. I didn't realize. So I looked and so so quick rundown. For the man, uh, he was born in Czechoslovakia in 1946. His parents fled uh, the Ruskies and uh, ended up in Canada. Surprise, surprise! A giant, famous comedian or a f- huge, famous director 
of great comedies came from Canada. Wow. Um, which led him to the film industry. Um, he directed 23 movies, produced 93 projects, uh, all the way up to last year's uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And he did everything from either as director or producer. Uh, he, he did action. He did comedy. He did horror. He did sci-fi. Um, I didn't know until I was putting this together. He was a producer on Space Jam. Yeah, he produced Beethoven. Uh, yeah. his, his first several movies were low budget horror movies Shivers, Rabid, and House by the Lake. Uh, then Animal House, um, the batshit insane you need to be drunk or high to really get the most out of it animated film Heavy Metal from 1981. Uh, Oof, my personal yeah. favorite, uh, crappy B sci fi movie Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. He produced that. <laughs> Um, stop or my mom will shoot with Sylvester Stallone he produced that Beethoven Space Jam uh, Howard Stern's Private Parts Road Trip Old School Euro Trip uh, and I did not know he he produced Up in the Air in 2009 with his son Jason that was the first time they worked together um, but yeah dude it's insane the breadth of movies he, he worked on as a director or a producer he, he did not as much as he's well known for his comedies he, he did every little bit of everything you know um, and since we're talking about comedies and things that he's produced, yeah, I, I would, I would not be doing myself any favors unless I brought up probably what is my all time favorite comedy of all time. Animal house. Oh, God, I love it. Yeah, that. buddy. <laughs> it's just so funny. Like, it's still funny. It is like the godfather of dumb dude frat movies yeah, you know what i mean humor. yes yeah. it oh just the stuff in that like it and it doesn't have to make sense um and and what i mean is like belushi's sort of one-off going through the the cafeteria lunch line like yeah. there's no there <laughs> there's no words there's no dialogue we just watch him taking food and when he grabs that plate of jello and just scarfs it down oh god it's genius comedy gold yeah and that's that's totally evocative of how uh reitman he didn't direct the movie but as a producer is that entire scene exists just because they trusted belushi just to make something funny happen yes like i said there's no dialogue <laughs> they just it's just belushi being belushi right Stuff in his pocket with sandwiches and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. It's a good one. Yeah, and how appropriate he went on to make uh, Old School and Euro Trip. And yes. <laughs> uh, hard, hard to top the college uh, frat boy humor. Uh, when, you know, I'm right, man. It's all over it. It's almost uh, like he was like, oh, hey. Remember in Animal House when they did this? Let's do that, but take it to 11. <laughs> uh, Scott, any other uh, specific movies you want to single out? Well, I mean, you know, we, we, we covered the, 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 the biggest of, of what, you know, Ivan does, and everybody knows what Ivan has done and everything. You've got the... the, the the staples and i'm sure we'll talk more about the staples as we as we go along but of course you know i'm looking at his producer list and 
you know, he, he produced twins, of course, uh, kindergarten cop, uh, just his, 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 even the stuff he wasn't straight, um, director on that he still had a hand in. He's one of the core three people that I always consider the architect of the eighties. Oh, the you other know? two being, uh, John Hughes. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. You know, you, you gotta include John Hughes. Yeah. yeah. Where you're doing the eighties. Um, and, um, uh, a gentleman whose name I can't remember right now. <laughs> Cause you Steven put me on Silver? the spot. And I, uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, you know, with with the Indiana Jones and, of course, you know, E.T. and everything. I mean, yeah, Lucas was there, but but Lucas had his own thing. I, I, I wouldn't really consider him sort of an architect of the 80s. So Wait, especially because Star Wars started in the 70s. What, so. exactly. what, was, what was George Lucas doing in the 80s? I'm confused. He had something going on? Huh? Yeah. I'm confused. He, he had Empire in Return. Oh, well, I'm but 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 his his. his but no, no, his, no, I'm with you. Like he his, yeah. his his thing started in the 70s. Yeah, I'm yeah, with you. and and also his biggest his biggest contribution to the whole industry was ILM. Yes, uh, I mean, you know, let, let, let's be realistic here. He does great stuff, you know, with the in the 70s. But when it comes to the 80s, he was firmly ILM. So when you look at the architects of the 80s, the the people who defined the 80s, it was it was Ivan Reitman, John Hughes, and Steven Spielberg. Um, I think it's hard to argue against that, man. That's that's yeah. like the Mount Rushmore of the '80s, right there. Yeah, I mean, not that other people didn't do great things, but just the sheer volume of work uh, and everything. But I have to say this, uh, and 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 I I don't know if I'm going to yell at for this or not, but I'm going to say it because it, it 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 kills me every single time I see Jason Reitman. With his father, Ivan, you know, and a lot of the because because they did a lot of promotional stuff for Afterlife together and then they did a lot of behind the scenes stuff together and everything. Right. Uh-huh. If you look at if you look at Jason Reitman, of course, you can see his father in him. You, you can uh-huh. see. But Jason Reitman by himself looks relatively normal, like a normal. Like a, he's, a, he's a he's a he's a good looking, handsome young guy. And if you look at his father, like at the same time, he's got this like. I don't know this this elongated like donkey face. You know he is not an attractive man. I'm sorry. I, I just I want to know what genes came together with his to make a normal looking kid like Jason Reitman. Okay, well, look up I've mostly the wife. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I've looked huh? at his wife, and and it's 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 she's not in the public eye, so it's hard to find younger pictures of her. Yeah. but that that's the thing. Like how strong were her genes like her gen- entire genetic structure literally is what is responsible for jason reitman you know being as normal as he is in looks <laughs> you know? it just kills me every time i see them together i'm like how the hell did that come from that i don't what what offset <laughs> those ivan reitman genes hey so when i die you, you do a tribute show for me don't invite scott <laughs> <laughs> just, just let him sit that one out <laughs> Here to honor the man's memory, and Scott's been talking about his donkey face. Wow, buddy. Oh, I understood this here. Uh, no, I blame it on those Czechoslovakian, I can't even say it, Czechoslovakian uh, jeans, man. Yeah. Sorry. Just had Because I can't help but think that every time I see them together on screen. So, what I'm going to take from that is Jason Reitman. Sure is a handsome man. 
he is. He is. He is an attractive. Uh, he's attractive as shit. You know. Calm down, Scott. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm comfortable in my. <laughs> <sighs> uh, well, but... sorry, Scott. To go off of what you were saying, if you look at pictures of Ivan Reitman from when he was younger, he's not that bad. He's really. You and I have much different on this topic. <laughs> you and I have much different tastes than men, sir. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've seen worse. He's, he's not bad. <laughs> this reminds me of a joke from an Ivan Reitman movie. <laughs> We're also going to use it as a segue to get off this goddamn topic. Uh, y'all remember Stripes? <laughs> When uh, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray first go into the recruiter and they're going through all the questionnaires and the recruiter says, are either of you homosexual? And there's a pause and the two of them just kind of glance over at each other, like out of the corner of their eye, and kind of yeah. bat their eyelashes. And Bill Murray just goes, do you mean like flaming or? <laughs> you two talking about how good <laughs> looking Jason Reitman is. That's all I can think of. But I'm going to use that to transition to yeah. the movie I yeah. really want to talk about from yeah. Ivan Reitman because I feel like it doesn't get enough love. Um, I've also been mildly obsessed with it for the last week, and that is 1981's Stripes, uh, or as I will come to call it, proto-Ghostbusters. It is insane how much talent was involved in this movie and how much talent from this movie directly went into Ghostbusters. Um and I mean that as a compliment, because uh, in my opinion, Ghostbusters is the greatest comedy of all time. Uh, so directed by Ivan Reitman, written by, among a couple other people, Harold Ramis. Music by the late, great Elmer Bernstein, starring Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, John Candy in his first U.S. Uh, movie. Warren Oates, uh, who died shortly after this, as Sergeant Holka. P.J. Souls, Sean Young in her first movie. I have a text message. Uh, Scott, John Larroquette in his yep. screen debut. Judge yep. Reinhold in his screen debut. This was the first movie for a lot of great people. Uh, Joe Flaherty and Dave Thomas make cameos in this movies as the border guard and the mud wrestling MC, respectively. Uh, did not learn this until I was researching it. The movie shot mostly in Kentucky. Yep. Uh, in and around Louisville Knox. and Fort Knox. Yeah. Other than the hotel in Germany, which is actually California, uh, and a couple other spots which were actually shot in California. The majority of the movie shot here in Kentucky. Um, yeah. Was and, made. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. Um, uh, the, the barracks and stuff when they're doing basic training, that's all shot on Knox. Uh, and actually, those barracks were still standing. Uh, up until I want to say 2010, what something like that. Said. 2009, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there is when they were finally torn down. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. The movie. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, movie was made with the full support of the Department of Defense, which is crazy. Uh, and right, Ivan himself pointed out. Uh, so in the movie, our two leads try to leave the military. Basically, as soon as they hit basic training, they're trying to get out of it. Uh, they go AWOL, steal government property, attack Russian forces in Czechoslovakia, but in the end, are hailed as heroes and given medals. And somehow the Department of Defense was like, yeah, we'll help you shoot that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I think 
so you, you and I, you know as well as I do and stuff, that the, the Department of Defense uh, and, and the U.S. military, they, they do like to support films as long as they don't portray the, the U.S. military in a bad light. Um, uh, but I think one of the things that helped this film get support was the fact that it showed the Russians in a very bad light. It showed them as inept. And this was also, you know, at, at the height of the Cold War in the 80s. Uh, yeah. Well, they, they was, point out another film shot at the same time, uh, very similar, you know, a military comedy, Private Benjamin, did not get the support of the Department of Defense. Uh, and they were very surprised when they, because every film that has, you know, military stuff and it submits their script to the Department of Defense hoping to get support, uh, whether they do or not, it's one of those things where you submit it, the worst they can do is say no. Um, but they were all shot when the Department of Defense said, yeah, we'll help you shoot that. Uh, and apparently it worked because according to the military uh, in the years following the movie's release, recruitment went up. Uh, it was originally meant as a Cheech and Chong movie. It was conceived as Cheech and Chong join the army. Wow, I'd watch that. I'd watch uh, that movie. And Cheech and Chong weren't opposed to the idea, uh, but their manager wanted way too much money uh, and basically uh, wanted to own Ivan Reitman. They wanted um, uh, his next, uh, they wanted a first look deal on his next five movies. <laughs> to which he was like, uh, yeah, no. So Cheech and Chong exited and they rewrote the leads. Um, all the good stoner jokes went to Judge Reinhold's character. Because yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, were, there were too many that were too good. Uh, they, they didn't want to toss everything out. So they just made up a stoner character and gave all the good jokes to him. Um, I just I rewatched the movie a couple times. Uh, the night I learned of Ivan's passing, this was the movie I came home and popped in and put the director commentary on so I could hear Ivan talking about it. Uh, but everything about this movie, again, the cast is ridiculously stacked. Uh, so much great comedic talent right on the edge of about to be famous. Um, John Candy steals the show. In pretty much every scene he's in, uh, and, and they even talk about you know uh, he was kind of nervous at first being on camera and all that kind of stuff. But as he got more comfortable, uh, and as you know the the cast was sitting around a lot, they kept finding more ways to work John Candy into the film um, and finding little bits for things uh, stuff for him to do. And the more they put him in there, the the funnier he got, and the more they wanted to do stuff. And, and Ivan said it was one of his great uh, disappointments. He never got a chance to work with them again, um, despite the fact that he was supposed to be Lewis in Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, but didn't he want to... Was that the one where he wanted to speak in a German accent and have German shepherds? Yeah, so yeah. The, the original Lewis Tully character was written with John Candy in mind. And when they pitched him the role, he had some ideas of his own. Uh, he wanted him to be German and wear lederhosen and had two giant Doberman uh, uh, pinchers. Um, and they kept trying to tone it down and talk him out of it. They wanted him to play something more akin to uh, like his um, um, vacation security guard kind of character. Uh, and he didn't want to do that. And they eventually just parted ways. But uh, that, that was originally his role. Um but the movie is it's so War Notes, who's a name a lot of younger viewers won't recognize, but he he at the time was had an incredible resume of stuff like uh, the Wild Bunch and tons of cowboy and military movies. Um, he did a lot of work with um, 
Uh, Sam Peckinpah, my mind went blank for a second. Uh, so the fact that they got him to be in their comedy uh, was huge because the role of Sergeant Hook is to be that straight-laced military man and to be the foil to Bill Murray. Um, there's a scene where Hulka and Bill Murray kind of have a confrontation in the latrine, which was not in the script. It was something Ivan felt needed to be in the movie to kind of heighten the tension. And in the middle of this comedy, it stops for about two and a half minutes to have this scene of two guys just putting all their cards on the table, getting into a fist fight. Uh, and, and it is in Bill Murray's career. It is the first time you see Bill Murray really playing a straight scene with another powerhouse actor. And it was kind of a glimpse of things to come uh, of, of a lot of the great roles Bill Murray's gone on to. Uh, but there's a great story from behind the scenes uh, from so when they were shooting the training montage, which also was not scripted, they got to Fort Knox. They started looking around to see what was there and they just kind of, um, uh, you know, mud pit. And I even thought it'd be funny if the guys pulled Sergeant Hulka into the mud pit. So he told them to do it. But he didn't tell Warren Oates it was going to happen. He thought it'd be funnier to catch his reaction in the moment. Oh, Warren Oates, again, a guy who's known for playing rough and tumble cowboys and military types. Gets pulled into the mud by a bunch of, you know, crazy youngin' comedians. And broke his tooth. Yeah. So he came Ivan after the scene and said, listen to me. I'm a professional. I can take whatever you want to dish out. You want to throw me in the bubble? You throw me in the bubble. You tell me first. You don't pull this improv shit on me. And apparently, it scared Ivan Reitman to his core. Uh, they rushed him to a uh, army dentist to get his tooth fixed, and he continued shooting. And he apologized profusely. Uh, but even twenty some years later, in the commentary I was listening to, uh, Ivan Reitman still feels terrible about it and is still terrified of war notes. <laughs> Nice. Uh, some other random trivia I learned for you. It's going to impart this. This is just why I love this movie so much. Uh, Bill Murray only took the lead role on the condition that Harold Ramis be his co-star because this is quoting Ivan, quoting Bill. Uh, Bill was very upset. Harold did not get cast in Saturday Night Live. Uh, the actors were not told their hair would be cut off prior to the barber scene when they go to basic. <laughs> Uh, so the reaction of John Candy to having his head shaved is genuine. <laughs> he was not told it was going to happen. Uh, it was one of the first, I believe, maybe even the second film to ever use the Steadicam. Uh, the inventor of the Steadicam, Garrett Brown, if I can read my own terrible handwriting. Uh, the guy who invented the Steadicam was the operator of the Steadicam because no one else knew how to use it. Um. Uh, it features not one, and this is going to be super nerdy, not one, but two A-team bad guys. Both Colonel Lynch and Colonel Decker pop up in this movie at some point. Uh, that tells you where mine went. My, tells you where my mind was at while watching this. Yeah. De Decker, Decker is um, uh, John Larroquette's superior. He comes in uh, uh, at, at the beginning of the film, and Lynch is... The recruiter. Thank you, the recruiter. Yep. I, I, I had him pictured in my head. But I couldn't get to it. 
Bill Paxton and Dennis Quaid have unseen cameos. Bill Paxton is in the credits. Unseen? Yes, Bill Paxton is in the credits as Soldier. I challenge you to watch the movie and tell me where the hell Bill Paxton is. I can't find him. Um, And Dennis Quaid, during the graduation ceremony, Dennis Quaid was uh, married to BJ Souls at the time and came to hang out with his wife on set. Somewhere in the giant crowd of people at the graduation is Dennis Quaid. He's uncredited. (laughs) Uh, And my last bit of fun trivia, uh, shit I learned while watching the director's commentary, the entire third act assault on the Czechoslovakian military base filmed at the Jim Beam Distillery. Ooh, nice. (laughs) Apparently Ivan thought it looked appropriately European. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to go down to the distillery right now. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to go right now. Yeah, and, and see uh, see if uh, see if it looks distinctly European to us. Hop into the EM fifty, cruise on down for the weekend. I'm, I'm trying to find a picture of Bill Paxton in in stripes. I, I went to Google Images and just typed in Bill, Bill Paxton, Paxton stripes. stripes, and I'm getting every Bill Paxton role. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, he's credited. I, I watched the movie like three times in the last whatever the super two weeks ish. I can't find him, uh, but he's in, unless there's just some other random dude named Bill Paxton. Um, I don't know, but uh, anyway, this movie. All this is just to say, I think that this movie is fantastic. It is a great, great slacker, you know, traditional '80s comedies that slobs versus knobs kind of mentality. It's it's the underdogs. Against all the odds, triumphing um, over the the snobs who were trying to keep him down. Uh, that snob being played beautifully by John Larroquette, who broke his nose shooting this movie. Um, and Scott, I don't know if you knew, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, because uh, I just learned it last night. There is a reference to John Larroquette's character in Stripes in Night Court. So at the end of this movie. We find out that John Larroquette's character, and I forget what his rank is or what rank he ends up at, is yeah. transferred to a post in the Arctic Circle. Yeah. It is revealed in an episode of Night Court that John Larroquette's character was in the U.S. Army Reserve under the <laughs> same rank uh, and at one point was stationed in the Arctic. Uh I don't, I don't have the look that up. I I've got Night Court, uh, it to you, but and I've watched it. Said. Uh, I will have to look that up. Is it is it on the uh, the, the trivia page for Stripes itself? Because I'll go. It look did it not up. list the episode number. No, it just said in an episode. Mm. So you just have to go back and watch all of Night Court. Well, I've got all of Night Court, so <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, love this movie. It's a it's a great, great comedy. And again, so many elements that would go on to make Ghostbusters. Director, writer, uh, score, actors. Uh, it just, it, it, all the elements were just right there. And, and, and in fact, at one point, Dan Aykroyd was up for a role in the film, but uh, didn't get it. So I can only imagine. We, we were just that much, you know, that much more closer. Uh, so there you go. That's my my yeah, I, appreciation. I always love Stripes going up. Stripes is a great movie. Uh, um, I, I love Stripes up and down, left, right, center. Um, three up and three down. Three up, three down. <laughs> the end of an it. inning. 
<laughs> well, but but that's a uh, that's a Good Morning Vietnam reference. So you know, uh, totally the wrong war in the wrong era. Um, I again looking back at his IMDb IMDb director credits, like I can't believe he directed Six Days Seven Nights. Yep. Uh and uh, my super ex girlfriend. Yeah. Not a great movie. No. <laughs> Not a bad uh, premise. A little ahead yeah. of its time. Um, yes. Superheroes weren't quite what they are now. I think if you try to redo that premise now, it will work a lot better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I really like Six Days, Seven Nights. I think that's a pretty good movie. Um, not again. Not your typical comedy. That's what I like. Are yeah. the the ones that are not what you would expect from a comedic director. Well, there's a movie I did not know existed until I was looking this up. And Scott, I have a new mission for something we have to watch at Danny's. I don't (laughs) want to know anything more about this movie other than it was directed by Ivan Reitman in 1973 called Cannibal Girls. I don't want to know anything more. I want to go in blind. We have to watch this movie. Cannibal Girls. Cannibal Girls, 1973, directed by Ivan Reitman. Do you, want, do you want me to read the... Several... No, I don't. I don't want to know anything. Okay. Don't tell me. Do not tell me. Okay. Uh, given his first uh, three producer credits were all low-budget horror movies, I'm, I'm hoping that's what we're getting, but we'll find out. This is this is a director credit, right? Yep. Yes. He's also an executive producer for that. It's like his second movie. Uh, I'm looking it up now. I'm, I'm going to see if we can make this happen. Yes. So, anyway. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Or not. Sorry, I was just looking at his producer credits again. Okay. Man, um, he really has been a producer for quite a bit. I didn't yeah. realize how much he was. Oh, he's a producer for Disturbia. Really? That's crazy. Uh, anyone here ever seen the movie Dave? Yes. Oh, oh, oh my God. Dave is a great I love the movie. It's a Dave. highly underrated movie. It's so good. I was going to bring that up too, as under my. Uh, you probably forgot it existed, but it's amazing. Go rewatch it. Uh, I love. I love the scene where Kevin Klein is. Again, this is gonna. You're gonna laugh because it's gonna go back to kind of like what Scott and I were talking about. But I love the scene where Kevin Klein is in the shower. And uh, Sigourney Weaver walks in mm-hmm. and tells him to turn around. And he's just like, uh, I don't want to. Because it's like, is she going to recognize? And I think he calls back to that at the end of the movie, doesn't he? Where he he thought that's where he figured it out or where she figured it out. I'd have to rewatch it. I haven't watched Dave in a long time. It was <sighs> just one of those titles that jumped up, jumped out at me. It's like, oh yeah. The if you don't know, the premise of Dave is uh, the president of the United States is sick or something. The, so uh, the president, the president is having a, an out of wedlock, um, yeah, tirade. I guess you could say. With, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, man. you're breaking up on me. Okay. Uh, so the 
okay, the president of the United States is having an out of wedlock affair and ends up suffering a stroke. And so they rush him to a hospital, but they don't want the public to find out because the president was having an affair. And so they get this guy who looks just like the president to play the president until such a time that they deem that they can have the vice president take over. Which is to say, a dude who's not the president, but looks like the president, becomes the president, and hijinks ensue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny. It's a funny movie. How about Twins? Uh, I've never actually seen Twins. You've never seen really? Twins? Yeah. Shit. Sorry. Uh, so... The story for twins, if you don't know. <laughs> Two brothers separated at birth are reunited to find their birth mother. The twins are played by Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger in his comedic debut. Uh, apparently at a party somewhere in Hollywood uh, shortly after Terminator and Ghostbusters had come out. Arnold ran into Ivan at a party, walked up to Ivan and pointed to him and said, Ghostbusters! And Ivan said, yeah, yeah, that was me. And Arnold said, hey, I could be a Ghostbuster. And <laughs> Ivan was too afraid to say no. <laughs> so that led to them. Uh, Arnold really wanted to showcase his comedic talent. So that led to them putting together twins, uh, which is the crazy idea of him and Danny DeVito were somehow genetically twins. Um, which is it's one of those oddball like road kind of movies uh, it's a little bit of uh, odd couple because even though they're genetically twins, they have like nothing in common. Uh, but the the interactions are great, uh, and it, it's the movie that helped Arnold break out of the mold of just being a, a you know guts and glory action guy and got a lot more comedic roles, including two more movies he'd make with him: Kindergarten Cop and Junior. Ah, oh, I love all Ivan Wright movies. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say that how Arnold Schwarzenegger feels in Kindergarten Cop on the day <laughs> when he just like yells at all of his students to shut up and like stop talking. That's how I feel almost on a daily basis. Like, <laughs> shut up. I love this scene right before he goes in the first day. And he says to his partner, who's the teacher who's supposed to be in the classroom, but she gets sick. So Arnold has to fill in. And he says to her, you know, how do I look? And she goes, lose the gun. And he goes, yeah, you're right. It's a bunch of kids. How bad can it be? And she goes, never mind. Take the gun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's it's a thousand how, percent accurate. How endlessly quotable did that movie become? It's not a Puma. <laughs> who, who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> I, I feel like they just were like, you know what? Let's let's get things for Arnold to say that don't make sense. That people will just be like, ha ha, listen to that accent. <laughs> Boys have a penis. Girls have a vagina. Thanks for the <laughs> tip. <laughs> oh, I see you covered the basics. Ah. <laughs> uh, yep. Good movie. Okay, so... 
uh, I tracked down the Night Court episode. Okay. It, I wondered why you went radio silent. <laughs> sorry, I went down a rabbit hole. It was the season six opening episode of, uh, or the, the opening episode of season six, episode one. Um, okay. So in the season finale of uh, season five, uh, it's revealed that Dan is uh, that Dan is in the in the Army Reserve, uh, and he's ordered to the Arctic Circle. So it's not quite that they're saying they're the same character, but you know they have this whole story arc where Dan goes to the Arctic, uh, and they can't find him because uh, of you know hijinks ensue type thing, and he's with some uh, an Eskimo family. Basically, for for uh, the big the the end of the episode, the beginning of the episode, and and he can't get back in touch with people. Um, yeah, I remember this now. Now that I read the synopsis, um, but yeah, it, it's it's the the season finale of season five going into the season premiere of season six. So there you go, Nightcore fans. Yeah, Nightcore. Scott, anything to add about twins? Twins, or kindergarten cop. You know, I mean, twins, kindergarten cop. Once again, these are those movies because uh, we because I made the statement earlier and and we kind of agreed, you know, that Ivan Reitman was one of the big three when it comes to defining the '80s. But unlike John Hughes, um, and really unlike Steven Spielberg, because uh, Spielberg still has his own good stuff. Uh, obviously, but Ivan Reitman branches off into these different types of comedies. He wasn't afraid to break out of his his uh, uh, I can't think of the word now. Uh, yeah, to break out of his comfort, to break out of his his mold, um, and try other stuff. And he really did contribute a lot uh, of what would be the transitionary. Uh, material going from the 80s into the 90s and then even into the 2000s a little bit. Uh, Whereas John Hughes didn't really do that. Like when the 80s ended, eh, John Hughes kind of ended. Well, Malone begs to differ, sir. I don't don't attribute Home Alone to John Hughes. Uh, I attribute Home Alone to Christopher Columbus. Okay. Um, the guy who found America. If I'm thinking, am, am I thinking the right guy? He directed it. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, John Hughes produced it. Yeah, he did. But did he, he write it too? He, he sure has a writing. It. He has a writing credit. But once, <sighs> but once again, I I I I don't attribute John Hughes much past the '80s, that's and that's just me. That's just me. Um, uh, once again, I don't that's get... the only thing I can name of John Hughes past the the eighties, and I'm pretty sure that's pretty early nineties. So yeah, exactly. And 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 so, but you've got a lot of things with Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman kept his fingers, you know, in a lot of different pies, and he got he kept his, you know, I'm going to go ahead and continue with the 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 the, the euphemisms here, not euphemisms, um, the colloquialisms. He kept his irons in a lot of different fires. Uh, and, and I, I think he helped the transition. I don't, he didn't define the nineties. He didn't define the two thousands, but he helped the transition going from the eighties into the nineties and the early two thousands. And these movies, twins and, 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 uh, uh, kindergarten cop are, are prime examples of these. Um, 
And of course, Steven Spielberg, after the 80s, he, he, he took a back seat and became more of an executive producer kind of a role. You know, he, he, he kind of rested on his laurels a little bit, which is fine. Because, I mean, he's successful. He can do that. What? No, Jurassic Park? Was yeah. him resting on his laurels? Fuck Jurassic Park. I hate Jurassic Park. Whoa! Whoa! Hey, Jurassic Park! No, 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 no. There is no "oh" here. We did our state of the franchise Jurassic Park, and at the end of it, when we came to the "what would you like to see Jurassic Park," my response was absolutely nothing. I don't care about Jurassic Park. I don't want to see dinosaurs running loose yet again. Well, sir. Well, sir, sir. Well. I will go see the next Jurassic Park film. That's fine. You can. Uh, I'm, I'm just not saying. sure that's an argument against him, Jay, but I'm glad you stated your intentions. Yeah. <laughs> I countered your argument with, I'm going to see Jurassic Park. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying there's no, there's no woe here. I've made my intention. My, my woe was the statement of Steven Spielberg resting on his laurels in the 90s. Jurassic Park is a groundbreaking film. Saving Private Ryan was resting Ju- on his laurels. Jurassic Park is a great film. Everything after that is dog shit. Um, right. I-, I won't disagree. Well, Jurassic World was pretty good. But I won't disagree with that statement. But Jurassic Park is a great movie. Jurassic so- Park is a great movie. I will agree with that. As far as Saving Private Ryan goes... Yes, I, I will say that that's him resting on his laurels because there's nothing new in that. It's a great movie. I love it. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying anything against Saving Private Ryan. I watch it, you know, regularly. I love it. Um, but it's 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 standard stuff. There's nothing transitioning from one Steven Spielberg era to another era in that. Much like, uh, unlike what I'm talking about with Ivan Reitman, where he he took the 80s, his 80s formulas of of comedies and stuff, where he defined an entire generation uh, and and section of comedies, and he started to change it up. And while his new comedies, you know, may not have defined the next era, they helped that intermediate stage. Like he set the stage for the next generation of comedies coming after the 80s with some transition stuff. Whereas Steven Spielberg was just, yeah, it's Steven Spielberg. We're going to give him a huge budget and he's going to have really, you know, talented people around him and all this good stuff. And yeah, it's pretty much the same shit we've seen. But it's still good. That's a debate for a different show, but we'll move on. Yeah, it's fine. That's fine. Ivan Reitman. The legacy, and and again, the the greatest thing about any of this is, it, it sucks that he's gone, and that a man who has had such a long career, uh, as both producer and director, is is now over, and that sucks, um, because like Scott pointed out, and no one can argue his his career spanned a very long time, and he had uh, lots of irons in the fire. Uh, again, just go through his his producer credits. <clears throat> Uh, and even his directorial credits, and and the, the, there was no genre he didn't try to tackle. There was no decade in which he didn't produce hits. Um, it it sucks, but the beauty of filmmakers is even after they are gone, their films live on. And like I said, when I heard the news um, on Super Bowl Sunday, 
uh, I was obviously very bummed out. And the first thing I did was grab stripes and pop it in and immediately turn on the director's commentary because through the beauty of, of film and the magic of DVD, because I need to upgrade my copy, um, Ivan can be right there in your living room telling you all about his movies and the, you know, the behind the scenes stories and, and how things came to be. And he, he's, he will always be with us in that way. Um, and that is the kind of magic and there is some solace to take in that. So that's all I really have to say. Okay. Then I think that's all it needs to be said. All right, then enough said with that. Um, is there anything, uh, any other movies we didn't mention or lines or quotes we want to get off our chest? Everyone feels, feels <clears throat> solid about that. So, I, I do one one other thing I want to bring up is yeah. uh, one thing that came out here recently, and I mean recently is in the last two years uh, because you know Ghostbusters Afterlife was delayed as long as it was because of global events. Mm-hmm. Um, they they did a lot of they 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 put out a lot of promotional material and stuff uh, and, and things and one of the things that i love was the was it was what, what was it ghostbusters day at ghost core where it was it was jason and ivan and they were showing like a lot of archive footage and stuff right yeah yeah watching that they they showed that deleted scene you know uh with uh in the mayor's office that i don't think had been seen prior to that day they showed it because I don't think it was on any DVD copy or anything, uh, where um, uh, like Peck talks about them using uh, noxious yeah, gases or something, and or they, they something about they stole you know uh, chemicals or something, and and Egon gets very indignant. It's like, excuse me, sir, that we did not steal. If we were gonna do that, we would just make it ourselves or something. You know, I, I forget the exact quote. And literally after the, the, the they show the, 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 the shot, like like Jason Reitman turns to his dad and he's like, how is that not in the movie? How does that not make it into the movie? That is funny. Like, like I believe his quote that? was, you cut that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, I loved seeing. And, and I, I, personally, I think it's, um i i don't know i don't know how to say it but sad is 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 one of the words um um uh cathartic i think is another one of the words the fact that ivan reitman uh passes away uh and we lose him uh within a couple of years of him and jason being able to do ghostbusters together you know that that he passes off this torch to his son, whom we're you know we're we're pretty sure is going to be able to carry on that that legacy uh, because of the success of Ghostbusters Afterlife. But we have that passing of the torch between the two of them and everything, and then once that is secured, then we lose Ivan. And yeah. Uh... I don't know exactly what to make of that. I'm going to get real for a minute. Um, I lost my father about six months ago, 
and and Jay, you know what I'm going through because you're in the same club I am, and it sucks to be in it. Um, and Jason Ryman, sorry, you're in the club now. It sucks to be in it. But looking at some of the high, behind the scenes images, uh, and the one that comes to mind is what everyone's been cheering around lately. Some of the stuff on Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, Jason talked his dad into suiting up and standing in as, um, spoilers, the ghost of Egon. Um, And the image of Ivan in Spengler's suit holding the proton gun with Jason standing over his shoulder, kind of directing him what to do. Um, It sucks that Ivan is gone and nothing will ever make that be okay. But there is a little bit of solace in I can only imagine what the last couple of years have been like for Jason Reitman really getting to know his father uh, working not just, you know, his dad was his dad produced um, up in the air a film Jason Reitman did, but literally day after day, side by side, almost co-directing with him and. um And then, like you said, all, all the, the stuff that he did. um they did together to promote the film the last yeah. couple of years they've 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 been almost as far as we know as fans inseparable um and that's looking back on all of it now that's that that time is such a gift yeah well i mean you had that one story that came out you know uh between when principal photography wrapped and and we started to get the initial uh, stuff for Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, until now. Uh, there was that one story that came out where uh, Jason, I forget what scene it was, but he was he was shooting a scene and he'd done several takes, you know, and everything. And he was kind of hem-hawing back, you know, around and everything. And, and Jason Reitman himself was talking about it. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, I didn't know uh, if I needed to reshoot. I didn't know, you know, I was kind of... Uh, on the fence about it and and my dad jumped in and said you got it i I know you've got it uh and uh and and he said when you know when my dad said that he's like i knew we're done okay cool wrap it cut it we're good uh so yeah just just i don't know it's, it's surreal you know going through the whole even as fans it's it's somewhat surreal um uh going through the whole thing of of coming through ghostbusters and when we didn't have anything ghostbusters forever and then we got the 2016 which uh it does not deserve the hate that it got but it wasn't the continuation from the guys that that all the fans wanted and now we get this and literally we have this passing of the torch not only from characters of old characters to new characters but from ivan to jason you know and once, like I said, once that passing of the torch has been secured, then we lose Ivan. And it's just, I don't know. Yeah, and it's to 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 sound like the selfish fanboy. Um, thank God, afterlife happened when it did. Yeah, because it, it, when we lost Harold, there was a lot of man. We're never Ghostbusters three is gone now. We're we're now. I love Afterlife, but Ghostbusters to call Afterlife Ghostbusters three is a disservice because it isn't really a third movie. It's it's more than that. Yeah. Um, Ghostbusters three really did die with Harold, but we got 
Afterlife, which is sort of a, a coda, uh, uh, an epilogue to Ghostbusters. Um, and if this movie hadn't come out before Ivan had passed, I think Ghostbusters in general would just be gone. Would have died. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is uh, a, a an epilogue, like you said, to Ghostbusters nineteen eighty four, uh, and 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 by association, of course, you know, Ghostbusters two, obviously, because you know, um, but it's also a, a prologue to what's coming forward. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. fingers well, crossed. Yeah, I mean, I, with the with the amount of, I mean, Ghostbusters Afterlife was a success. No one can deny that it made money. It made decent money. Um, Jason Reitman and his writing partner from the movie, whom I, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. Um, Glenn and, something. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've signed a deal with Sony to create a production arm for Sony. So between that production arm and ghost Gore, I say it's a very, very good chance. We're going to see more ghostbusters. I want to agree with you, but the skeptic in me says, don't give in to hope. Uh, <laughs> be happy with what we've got, because uh, Afterlife is wonderful, and I'm very happy and thankful we got it. Um, but hey, man, Sony's got all that Spider-Man money to spend now, so you can make 12 Ghostbuster movies for that much money. Um, so yeah, I... I, I I'm inclined to agree with you. I think we'll get more projects, especially since Jason's been on the record as people have asked him, would you do a follow-up? And his, his kind of go-to response has been, well, I've gotten to tell my Ghostbusters story, uh, but I've got a lot of friends who want to make Ghostbuster movies and I want to see their Ghostbuster movies. So I can very much see Jason kind of stepping in as one of the producers for Ghost Core and helping shepherd future Ghostbuster movies, even if he doesn't direct them himself. I, I think that's plausible heading forward, but we're putting the cart before the horse there. So we'll see what happens. But... Um, yeah, yeah, I guess just thank you, Ivan, um, wherever you are. Hope you can hear this. And thank you for for giving us so many great gems. And like Commander Scott rightfully pointed out, for helping define the 80s uh, and to, to shepherd in so many other great movies past the 80s. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm going to shut up now. Doc. Movies. Okay. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> I believe Commander Scott has got a uh, little something to play us out. All right, here we go.